Last Sunday, the Holy Spirit hit in this place, and the music was generating, and everything was going, and then today it was a little more calmer. But you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't show up the same way every time, and there's certain things that God wants us to do. And so, don't be discouraged, and don't try to put God in a box, because He's going to do exactly what He wants to do. Jeremy and I always talk about that, and he'll say, well... It's probably just a word Sunday today is what it is. So you got to learn to go with the ebbs and flows of the Holy Ghost. Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I am. And that just doesn't talk about lack or abundance. That talks about the Christian life, that we need to be content. Amen? Amen. Well, let's go to our scriptures today. We're going to get rolling here. Amen. Amen. Anybody got anything else? No, okay. Feel, we figure this out here. I know I'm not Jewish, but it's Passover, Palm Sunday, amen? Amen. So, anyhow, First Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 2. We've been preaching out of this scripture now for how many weeks? Anybody know? About 12 weeks, yeah. We've been preaching. This is what the Lord said. Keep it what? Simple. Keep it simple. The gospel can be very complicated if we make it so, or it can be as simple as we want it to be. And simply put, again, and I reiterate some things I've said over and over and over, that at the beginning of the year, pretty much, the Lord said, keep things simple. People get too tied up in things that really doesn't matter. And Paul had that same thing. Paul said he became all things to all men, that some might be saved. Well, that's good. That's good. But Paul came to realize also that the simplicity of the gospel is what works. Okay? We can become all things to all men, but we got to keep that imbalance. You hear? It's got to be in balance. The Holy Spirit has to motivate the things that we do because that's who we lean on. So Paul came to a place in his life where he was tired of debating and he says, I'm determined not to know anything, not to know anything among you except Christ, Jesus Christ, and Him crucified. How many of you know that today? That's the most important thing that we can live by is Christ and Him crucified. Now, Olivia, go to the book of John. And this also, we've been preaching this same scripture. John chapter 3. Go back to 14 if you can, Olivia. I'm sorry. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up. Amen. This is the Passion Week, uh, Palm Sunday. Traditionally, uh, I'm I'm not anti-tradition. I'm very much for tradition as long as it's spirit-led. Okay? I don't like tradition that's just pharisaical. And I don't think any of you like that either. A pharisaical uh, uh, tradition that ignores the presence of Christ and what the gospel is all about. The gospel is all about is that we're great sinners and he's a great savior. 
We're great sinners. He's a great Savior. He's the only one that could come and do what he did. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, also must the Son of Man be lifted up. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Father, again, before we proceed, we just lift you up. We lift you up in so many ways today, Lord. You're our healer. You're our comforter. You're our brother. You're our God. You are the great I Am. You are the forgiver of our sin. You shed your blood that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We come against the enemy that wants to seek, to kill, and to destroy men's minds, man's emotion, and man's soul. And we place ourselves today under the mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would penetrate hearts. If there be anyone in this congregation that needs that special revelation that you came for that purpose and that purpose only, then I ask that you would touch them today. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit's saying unto the churches, Lord. Let our robes be dipped in the blood of Jesus and let us be set free from the sin that so easily besets us. And we ask those things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. As he lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now you can go on. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have what? Have eternal life. Guess what? I'm going to live forever. That sounds like a song I heard on the radio or something. But I am going to live forever. And so are you. You have a soul that's going to live forever, either in the presence of the Lord or being separated from God. Well, my Bible tells me to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the day that I become absent from this body, I want you to mourn for me, but only so much because I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord when that happens. And I know you would hate to leave me go as I would hate to leave you go. But I take the presence of the Lord above everything. Amen. 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 Wow why he came that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have eternal everlasting life you can go on why for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I just want to let that sink in for a minute. Next verse. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him, say through him today, through him, the world through him might be saved. In other words, that points out graphically that he's the only one that could do what he did. The world through him might be saved. Through him, through him. In him we live and have our being. Say it again. In him we live and we move and we have our being. Someone blessed me with that scripture a couple weeks ago. And I need to start living in that more than I ever have. In Him we live and we move and we have our being. In Him and through Him. 
We live and move and have our being. Sin constricts us into this little ball of anxiousness and defeat and loneliness and despair. That's what sin does. It shrinks us. It's like the wicked wish from the east that couldn't take the water and they do the, She said, I'm melting, I'm melting. And that's what sin does to us. Hallelujah. Dorothy clicked her heels. Imagine that I didn't know how I got off on the Wizard of Oz, but I think the Wizard of Oz was a very spiritual movie, to be honest with you, because whatever was lacking, they were off to see the wizard for the things that they needed. And they found at the end when they got followed the yellow brick road that when they got there, it was just a man behind the scenes pulling levers and things. But guess what? They got what they needed because it was bigger than the man pulling levers. The tin man got oiled. <laughs> the lion got courage. Think about that. That's kind of like getting saved. The Holy Spirit comes and he oils us up, man. The bomb of Gilead, he oils us up. And then he gave the lion courage. I know Christians that were isolated and shrunk into a little ball and God made a call on their life. And all of a sudden, you just pull a thread, a scarlet thread that's, that goes down through the ages that speaks of the blood of Jesus. You start unraveling that and that ball, that's all, it starts to loosen up and come alive. And it gives us courage because we're not standing on our own goods. We're standing on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he said he would do. And who got the heart? Well, just think about that. You got courage, you got oil, you get a new heart. You get brains. There's a lot of things that are prophetic and people didn't even know they were prophetic. That's right. When you put on the mind of Christ, you get all those things. The only thing he doesn't promise us is a new head of hair. We want to cover everybody today. That through him, people might be saved. Next verse, please. He that believes on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What's the name today? What is the name? What is the name? He has not believed in the name, in the name. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. When you lay hands on somebody and ask that they have a healing, we're calling in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You can't say it enough. It's not in anybody. Peter looked at him uh, the day that they healed the blind man at the beautiful gate. He said, don't look on us as, like we've done something really special here. We're only doing what God told us to do. This happens when you have faith in the name of the Son of God, who is Jesus Christ. We believe in that name. Things happen. We do get a heart. We do get courage. That's why he came. Go to Psalm 118, 25, and 26. 
We're going to prophesy, or the, the word is going to prophesy what's going on. Psalm 118, verse 25. Psalm 118. Okay, now here's the whole thing about the New Testament and the Old Testament. Some people, modern Christianity wants to do away with the Old Testament. They said we buried, the church is too buried in the Old Testament. Well, let me tell you what, the Old Testament is the history of God's people, but it also is the history of us because we've been grafted in to that history. Thank God we have a history of a firm foundation what is built on the chief cornerstone that Jeremy was teaching on. On Wednesday, the cornerstone the builders rejected has now been made the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone. Everything prophetically Jesus fulfilled when he came. Keep in mind our text, but look at Psalm 118 and verse 25. It says, save now. Save now. Today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait a couple of weeks. You don't have to wait to get things right. Because none of us will ever get things completely right where we deserve the kingdom of God. Our righteousness doesn't matter. Once we're born again, we have a certain behavior, but that's generated, that's backed up by what we believe. Belief dictates behavior. But it says here, save now, O Lord, I beseech you. I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Hallelujah. Everybody agree with prosperity? The right kind of prosperity. Beloved, I wish, I pray above all things, above all things, above anything that we can possess, I want above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. What do we need in our soul? We need the Spirit of God. We need a soul to save or we're not going to prosper. The world can throw money at everything that they want to throw money at. But at the bottom line, nothing prospers without a prosperous soul. That's right. Amen. Still with me? I got a long way to go. Verse 26. Blessed be he that comes in the name of the Lord. Now, this is David. These psalms were used at Passover. Psalm 113 through 118 were sung by the people at Passover. And then after that, they had psalms of ascension that went through 126. I might not have that exactly right. But it says, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Well, who is that? David. This is David writing. Who is that? Who was that? Who were they looking for? We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. That's why worship is so important. It's a blessing. We're blessing. Oh, Lord, bless your holy name. Bless you and all the things you've done for us. We submit ourselves to you. Blessed be he that comes in the name of the Lord. Prophetic out of the Psalms. Who was he? Who was coming? Now, I want you to go to Isaiah 62. Remember, it's all prophetic. Isaiah verses chapter 52, 62, and verse 11. Hallelujah. 
Old Testament's prophetic, right? Amen. Look what it says here. <laughs> Go back to verse 10, Olivia. I'm sorry. Look at this. Go through. Go through the gates. That reminds me of the psalm. It says, lift up, lift up, you heavenly gates. Let the king of glory come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord is the king of glory. But look what it says. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare ye the way of the people. They knew a lot about gates back then because most of the cities were walled cities to keep the enemy out. So gates were very important. So when David prophesied, said, lift up your gates, you heavenly gates, so the king of glory might come in. It had more uh, significance than what we just see as a little bitty gate going into our front yard or our backyard. Gates meant a lot, but the gate had to be cleared so that the people could go through. And it was preparation for Jesus the day of Palm Sunday when he came. This is Cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for what? The people. What did he say? If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men under. Is this coming together or not? Oh, the word of God. Lift it up. Now go to the next verse. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed unto the end of the world. Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work is before him. Remember when he, how many of you been to Israel? Good, good bunch of you. And stood on the Mount of Olives and began that descent. Supposedly the same road that Jesus walked down. He began that descent. And what did they do? They cut palm fronds. They laid their cloaks down and they praised him. And I just had a revelation on this scripture. It said his reward is with him. Think about it. What's the reward? I'm his reward because I'm his masterpiece. But his his reward is with him. He brought heaven to earth as we sing in that song. Heaven to earth. He brings a reward to those who trust in him. That's why the reward speaks of Palm Sunday. But then he said his work is before him. What was his work? To die on a cross and be lifted up so that we might be saved. And when we become saved, his work, his reward is with him and his work was before him. He knew what his work was, was to seek and save that which was lost. Reward. His work. Wow. His work was before him. Now, if you would go to Zechariah chapter 9. And this is the key. This is one of the, the key prophecies. Now remember, this is this is just thing, scripture that they knew by living in Old Testament times. They were waiting for the promise of the Savior. But everything that God does 
prophetically, he tells the people pretty much what he's going to do. Honor the prophets. Look what it says, Zechariah. Oh, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes unto you. That's why we celebrate this every year. Oh, it's a good tradition. It's a good tradition. Behold, O daughter of Zion, because the king is coming to you. He is what? He is just. You're only going to get so much justice from the world. But he is the just one. He is just. And having salvation, his reward is with him and his work is ahead of him. Just imagine everything that happened in this next week. Just to think about it for a minute. In a matter of days, he goes from being exalted. People laying their cloaks on the ground because the king was not supposed to step on the ground. He was supposed to have a way prepared for him. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Just imagine what took place in five or six days. He's exalted on high. And then with five or six days, fine. But he says, behold, your king comes and he is just. And he's having salvation. In other words, he brings it with him. He brought salvation. He's the only one. that. But here's where things get off track. The people of Israel were looking for an earthly kingdom. And I must say today, in, in the world we live in, a lot of us are looking for an earthly kingdom above a heavenly kingdom. We just got to be careful there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God doesn't say heaven things is bad, but he does tell us what to seek first, and all these other things will be added unto you. Well, what's that? Desires of your heart, things that keep your family functional, your kids being raised up in their nurture and admonition of the Lord, that we can trust in him as our healer. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Who brought the kingdom of God? Somebody tell me. He brought the kingdom of God down to us. But here's the key. Here's where the break came. He was lowly. And riding upon an ass or a donkey. And upon a colt, the foil of an ass or a donkey. There's something very significant here. And I want to go to Matthew chapter 21 to look at that. Catherine already read some of this. Verse 1. Years later. Still waiting for a king. Still waiting for the kingdom. Their version of the kingdom. According to the tradition that wasn't Holy Ghost. Think about that for a minute. So here's Jesus on the Mount of Olives. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage, <laughs> under the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus, sent, then sent Jesus two disciples. And he says unto them, Go into the village over against you, which means next to you, and straightway you shall find a donkey. I'll quit using the ass word, okay? 
If it's in the Bible, we don't need to be immature about it, do we? You'll find, go over against you and say, well, you shall find a donkey and tie it in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. Now, why would you think he would say something like that? To fulfill the prophecies that were told about what he would make his triumphal entry on. Think about that for a minute. I mean, this is so rich. It's so full of symbolism. It's so full of truth. He came to fulfill the scriptures. And he says, if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And straightway, he will send them. So somebody in town was on the same wavelength as the two that went in. And the Lord had spoken to them in their spirit. The Holy Spirit had spoken to them saying, guess what? Our Savior is going to be coming by and he's going to borrow this. And if anybody says, what are you doing it for? Just say the Lord has need of them. And I've tried to apply this to my own life. The Lord had a a, a purpose laid out for my life. Many years ago, the devil tried to take it from me, being lost in alcoholism and different things. The enemy wants to steal that and destroy it. But God had prepared people down the road in my life. And when I went to that Methodist church and Brother Shilfarth was preaching the gospel and Brother Tipton, and I didn't really understand everything that was going on, but God was preparing me because guess what? And I don't say this in arrogance. I say this in humility. God has a need for you and me. You say, well, God doesn't suffer lack. He loves you. And when you love something and you lose it, there's a lack there. He doesn't want us to. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not lack. So God had a purpose for each one of you. And God will set things up before you go over there. You'll find a colt or a donkey. Bring it to me. He had to have these scriptures in his mind. Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice, O daughter of Zion, your king comes to you riding a donkey. Everybody still with me? Jesus knew the Old Testament, I guarantee it. (laughs) He did. I'm going to read on. It's pretty exciting. And all this was done that it might be what? It might be what? It gives me great confidence to know that I was chosen from the foundations of the world, that he values me that much to set things in order so that I would come to a knowledge of him. Thank God there were so many different people involved in my salvation. But all they did was they didn't save me, but they pointed me toward the Savior. Thank God. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying what? Tell the dog. I'm excited about this. Come on now. Don't leave me hanging. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king comes. You know, one thing that made the Pharisees mad is he was messing up their feast days. Isn't that just like tradition and things? They mess it. They wanted tradition more than they wanted salvation. They felt like they were protecting something. Listen, 
I have nothing to offer God except what He's already blessed me with. He's poured into me. He's poured into you. Behold, what was that scripture we read about this? He said that it be fulfilled. Your king's coming to thee, meek. In the open Bible, this is all in small print, which means it's a fulfilling of scripture. Anybody got that in your Bible? Meek and sitting on a donkey and the foal of a donkey. Think about that. Okay. Mark chapter 11. Verse 1. And when they came into Jerusalem unto Bethpage and at the Mount of Olives, he sends forth two disciples. I like it when people, I don't like it when they say, you know, the Bible's got a lot of contradictions. People need to understand that there's a spirit that hovers over the Word of God. And if you're seeking God's face, there's no contradictions there. The contradictions are in your heart and in your spirit. You can find a contradiction or a so-called contradiction for everything. It comes from the word contrary, which means contrary. You ever had anybody go, good morning, what's good about it? They have a contrary nature to them. You can't tell them anything good because they're always contrary about it. And it might be a good day for you, but it sure ain't for me. He came to save the contrary. Oh, look at that. Go your way to the village over against you, and as soon as you enter into it, you shall find a donkey that tied wherever never man sat. Loose him and bring him. Isn't it great? (laughs) And if any man says unto you, verse 3, why do you do this? Say, the Lord has need of him. And straightway, he will send him away. He will send him thither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without outside in a place where two ways met and they loose him. They loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said, What are you doing loosing my donkey? I like this. And they said unto them, Even as Jesus has commanded, the Lord has need of him. And they let them go. I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit is magnificent, how he can work on people's hearts. That's why the first, when we read in Isaiah, to take the impediments out of the way. There's people that can pour into our lives sometimes if we listen to them. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him and he sat upon him. Now this was something that was generally done for a uh, a royal, a king. They weren't supposed to touch the ground. They would line the ground with flowers and palm leaves and everything else and, and even their cloaks because they wanted to pay homage unto him. And verse 8 says, And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of the trees, 
and threw them in the way. And they that went before him, and they, they followed, cried, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father, David. We're part of that kingdom. Blessed be the kingdom of our father, David, that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Didn't we just read that in the Old Testament? Well, let's go to another scripture. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Catherine read this this morning. Remember our context, Christ and him crucified, God so loved the world. Look what it says. It says, now is my soul troubled after he entered in. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this world. That's why he came. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, pride of life. We kept anybody but our Savior away from that. This is why I came. Knew what crucifixion was. He's a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. And all the sin of mankind, past, present, and future, we laid on him. He who knew no sin had it all laid on yeah. it was no easy thing and he said father save me from this hour but for this cause came I that's why he came thank God Hallelujah. thank God today that that's why he came he knew everything that was ha- that already happened that was happening at the time Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Just think, he knew in his mind that they were going to betray him the same. That they would choose tradition. Go to John chapter 19. Almost finished. Trying to lay a groundwork here about this week. John chapter 19. Go back a little bit. Go back if you would, Olivia, to... 23, if you could. Go 
I failed to mention Psalm 22, which is a prophetic psalm about the crucifixion. It says, then the soldiers, this is after he was crucified, and the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts. Prophesied in Psalm 22. Go back and read it. To every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without a seam, which is significant, and it was woven from the top throughout. Go on if you would. Verse 24 said, They said, Therefore among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saying, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. All of this was prophesied before any of it happened. Now, Let's go back to Luke chapter 19. And I want to bring to light in Luke, uh, I'm sure I've got the right chip. Luke chapter 18. Verse 31. Well, we'll just stay there. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, back to where we started. What this is all about. You notice that he came meek and lowly riding on a donkey. He didn't come on a war horse. Not that time, anyhow. What does Isaiah prophesy about who he was? Counselor, mighty God. What else? Come on. What? That was a prophecy tied in with Isaiah and Jeremiah that said, Behold, your king comes lowly and meek. Now, a ruling conqueror or a victorious army would come with pageantry and everything else. But I guarantee you that an earthly king would not be riding on a donkey. He would be riding on the finest horse that they had either won through war or bread or whatever. He would expect the best. But Jesus fulfilled scripture. He said, I'm going to be, see, conquering kings come riding a horse. Our conquering king came as the Prince of Peace today. And that's why when the Bible, you know, we've not mined the depths of the scripture that says, the peace of God that passes understanding. He came as the Prince of Peace. And how did he bring peace? By his death on the cross, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So that's why it says he spoke. Remember when they were going across the lake and the storm come up? And what was his reply? They woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care? We're perishing here. This boat's 
I want you to, uh, boats ain't like what we're used to boats. They had boats and they weren't very good. But the storm came up and it said Jesus was asleep. Sometimes we think God's asleep. Well, listen, he's not asleep. He doesn't go on vacation. And they woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care that we're perished for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If you're not saved today, if you don't have a relationship with, he cares that you might be perishing. But it says they woke him up. They're so, it's so rich what we could, the word of God. They woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care, Lord? This is for us today too. Don't you care, Lord, that we're sad? Don't you care that we're confused? Don't you care that the world's going crazy? Don't you care that this is happening and that's happening? We can't depend on anything. We can't do this. We can't do that. We are blessed in this country with a lot of do's that are suddenly turning into don'ts. Don't you care, Lord? I guarantee he still cares. And at just the right time, as the scripture says in Romans, at just the right time, God sent Jesus, his son, just the right time. Well, today's your right time. Today's my right time. If we discern what the cross means and they were saying, don't you care, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my kids are running crazy? Don't you care? I'm tired of waiting on your promises. God, what's happening? Don't you care? And they woke him up and he rebuked the storm. He's the Prince of Peace. And next time he comes back, you know who's going to have peace? The ones that believe in the name of Jesus. Because the world's going to be in total chaos. And the wrath of God is going to descend upon the disobedient because they've rejected the blood of Jesus You say, I don't like a gospel like that. Listen, the sacrifice on Calvary was something that is overwhelming. The blood. All through the Old Testament, it was about the blood and the scapegoat, different things. And you know, in effect, what he said was, everybody in our society today is looking to blame somebody. Think about it. We live in this culture where, my goodness, Don't say the wrong thing. You'll be on YouTube. Being made fun of you. When you're doing what's right. Think about that. It's so hard anymore. We got to blame somebody for our deficiencies. Well, especially as Christians, we shouldn't be doing that because in him we live and move and have our brain. You know what happened on Calvary? He fulfilled scripture, and you know what he said? This is what I came for. Blame me. How can you say that? Blame me. I can say it because the word tells me that he took sin upon him. If there's someone you want to blame, blame me. Because he knew he could do away with that. He did away with it. Cursed 
as everyone that hangs on a tree. Well, he hung on that tree for us. And you know what he said? I take responsibility for sin, past, present, and future. This is how much I love you. I don't want you to perish. I want you to have eternal life. If you blame anybody, well, blame me because I can handle it. I can shoulder it. I can give you freedom and I will give you peace. That's why he came on a donkey instead of a war horse. My kingdom is not of this world. They said, Lord, you need to eat. He said, I got meat to eat that you know not of. And they go, what? Did somebody bring you lunch while we were gone or anything? His will was to fulfill the will of the Father and do fulfill prophetically to make the, the prophetic scriptures come alive in him. And everything in the Old Testament points to a Savior, and that Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is no other. Crazy week coming up. Friday, all those people that have laid their coats down are turning against him because the Pharisees, the, you know, the devil's jealous. He wants you to praise him. He wants you to praise him. And they said, get control of your disciples because they were Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, blessed is the rock. I don't know what they were singing other than Hosanna, blessed is he. I don't know how the tune went. It doesn't matter because in the spirit, they were all speaking the same language. And he said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, I'll tell you today, Jesus Christ comes in the name of the Lord. He fulfills the will of God the Father, and he's sitting at the right hand of God now making intercession for us. Nobody else is doing that. He said, I'll take responsibility for that sin today. I'll take it on me. If you want to put blame on somebody, I'll be the scapegoat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll do it. I'll be the scapegoat. They used to put the blood on the scapegoat, didn't they, Jeremy? And they'd send him off into the wilderness, and that was supposed to be a a propitiation or a payment for sin. But they had to do it every year, every year. And they would nurture that goat. It had to be spotless. Old Testament, it had to be spotless. And they even brought it into the house for a few days and let the kids play with the Passover uh, animal and things like that. But it had to take place every year, every year, every year. And he said, we don't have to do this every year. You don't have to do this. I have the responsibility laid on me and I will take the yoke upon me. And you don't have to do this every year. I'll do it once for mankind that whosoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. That's what all this means. That's why he came. I think it was simple because I'm a simple man. Every now and then I try to use big words, but I just confuse myself. That's why he came. So when somebody tells you, oh, we don't need that Old Testament stuff anymore, 
Write down those scriptures you heard today and, and read them. Tell them this is God's plan. Hallelujah. Is everybody saved in here today? That's an easy question to ask. Well, most of you don't know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.